Good morning! Hey! That's better. We're awake. <coughs> well, my name's Aled, as Gary said. Isn't that the most confusing title for a five o'clock prayer meeting? Six o'clock church prayer. Isn't that, isn't that great? So, yeah. So, five o'clock today, we're going to be praying for all things six o'clock church. Uh, my name's Aled. I'm one of the members here at King's and part of the leadership team. Uh, and it is an absolute privilege for the next 20, 25 minutes or so to be opening up the Word of God and talking a little bit about parenting. As it's baby Thanksgiving, I'm going to be talking to the parents, including myself, uh, but also for all of us. Uh, even if you're here and you're not a parent, there's lots of things in the Bible about the things that we're going to be talking about which are relevant to you uh, in your everyday life. So don't turn off, but just listen, because I think that there's going to be lots of things that, uh, as I share them, they will uh, be of benefit to you. Um, I've been mad for 11 years now to uh, the beautiful Louise, um, and we've got three children. So uh, this is the first one, this is Bethan, uh, and then so she's five years old, she just started school this year, and then we've got Maya, oh, <laughs> butter wouldn't melt. She's two, and then we've just had uh, Caleb. Actually, nearly on Christmas Day is, is half an hour into Boxing Day, so he's going to be six months old in a few days' time. Uh, parents always love showing the best of their kids, don't they? They always put a few filters on the photos, make them look incredible. Um, I thought I'd just share a balance of what uh, parenting life is like. So often, kids don't look like that in our house. They look something more like uh, this. Um, Bethan, what are you doing? I'm doing my lipstick. Okay, uh, or this one, which is, girls, what are you doing? We're playing with mum's makeup, and we've stained the carpet. Um, lots of fun things like that, and, and you know, being, being a parent is really um, an incredible journey. Um, I think for any first parent particularly, uh, there's this universal thought of, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. You know, when you... When, when it was pregnant, they gave us like a bounty pack, which is lots of information about how to get through your pregnancy, different things that might come up, how to deal with it. When you walk home from the hospital or go in your car from the hospital with a baby, it doesn't come with an instruction manual. There's no return warranty. You really have to try and work it out on your own. You've got to try and navigate through this life with this newborn baby that you're responsible for. And as a parent, it can sometimes be daunting. You've got to learn along the way. And what I've found is that some of those really early lessons are actually quite trivial. All right? They're, so, for example, for me, week one, I learned not to give a big feet to a baby and hold it like this and go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I only did that once. <laughs> or, or buying some permanent markers and leaving them on the solid oak dining room table. Or a lesson for creativity. It's brilliant. Or I just found... Uh, <coughs> The 30 seconds between taking off a nappy and getting to the bath is just the right amount of time for them to release a number two down your arm. <laughs> there's, um, one, there was one moment a couple of years ago when we had uh, Maya, and we were so sleep-deprived, we were so tired, and she caught this really terrible flu, cold thing, and she was really bunged up. And uh, one night, in the middle of the night... Um, you know, we were really struggling to sleep. The following day, we went to the pharmacist and we said, please, can you just give us something to help her sleep? And what they did, they didn't give us any medicine or tablets or anything. They gave us a little contraption. It's basically like a tube with a little pot on the end. And they said, well, what you do, you basically, you, you put it into their nose and you suck on the other end and you suck all their bogeys out, clear them out and help them sleep. So I thought, brilliant. Anyway, we... 
we bought this thing. We bought for the privilege of being able to suck out my daughter's bogeys. And we did it several times that night. Now, it came, I don't know, maybe three, four o'clock in the morning. And I thought, I, I've, I am going to get rid of this, 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 this cold, this snot. I, I've, I want some sleep. So it's pitch black, it's dark, it's night time. I'm very tired. I'm in there with Maya in my arms. And I pick up this thing. I've been doing it three or four times. I think this time I'm going to suck really hard. <laughs> I'm going to go for it. I'm going to give it all I've got. So I exhaled. I put it in my mouth. I tell you what, I sucked so hard. And it was the wrong way round. And literally all those bogeys I collected all night, all... Oh, on this bay, oh, it's awful. Two weeks of salt intake in that very minute, it was horrible. Awful. So those first lessons when you're learning, they're all trivial things, aren't they? But then as kids get older you have new lessons to learn. And for me, my eldest is only five. But for some of you, you might have children that are seven or 11, maybe 17. For some of you, you have children that are now in university. Maybe some of you got children that have got families of their own. But what we find is that in every different season of life, there's new challenges and new things to be learned, isn't there? Whatever age your children are. But thankfully, the Bible isn't silent on the subject of parenting. There's lots of things in the Bible that can help us with these things. And for the next 20 minutes or so, I just want to highlight a few top tips from the Bible on how and where we can put our energy as parents, or if you're not a parent, how and where you can put your energy generally in life with the people you're with to make the most impact as a parent, however old your kids are. And to help you remember them, I've got a rather thematic acronym, which in hindsight is probably a bad choice of word. Um, we've got S, which is, stands for speak. And then we're going to talk about I, which is imitate. C, correct. K, keep on going. You, you know when you have these ideas and a few days later you think back and just think, that's just in bad taste, so I'm sorry. I really am sorry. But I bet you'll talk about it over dinner and you'll remember my four points, which is, which is the main thing. Okay, so S. S stands for speak. Do you know that there is huge power in the words that you say? There's huge power in the words that we say. There's huge power in words generally. Interestingly, God's method when he created the world is he spoke. He speaks things into being. He, he didn't have to do it that way, but that's the way he chose to do it. There is power in words. He says, on the first day, he said, let there be. And as we look through the Bible, we see the life of Jesus. And actually, time and time again, Jesus, when he wants to perform miracles, he speaks things into being. There's a time where he goes to this tomb of his best friend, Lazarus. And Lazarus has been dead. And he speaks. And Lazarus is raised to life. There is power in words. God seems to see speech as really important. And there are many passages in the Bible that talk about our words. And I'm sure all of us can remember words that have been spoken over to us in our childhoods that have stuck, that have had an influence, have had an effect on our lives. Many of them have been really positive, encouraging things. Sadly, some of them may not be so positive. But they stick because they're powerful. 
Proverbs 18.21 says this, Even death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now what I find interesting is how we don't tend to use our tongues very much these days. Introduction of technology particularly, I think, means we think we know more about people. We think we're saying more, but in reality, we're actually speaking less and less. Our number of connections, so our Facebook followers, our Twitter followers, is growing wide by the day, but sadly, often it's five miles wide and only half an inch deep. We've lost what it is to speak. We've lost what it is to know in-depth details of one another's lives. Just If you want a really surreal experience, just go commuting through London at rush hour. Um, I did this last summer, coming back from an event called New Day. It's bizarre. Millions of people on a tube doing everything they possibly can to avoid eye contact and talking to anyone. Aren't they? And so often in different places, on the bus, even locally, there are different things, different scenarios where actually people, if they can avoid talking, they will. There's something that we've lost about the gift of being able to speak. Now, the problem of not speaking is this. No one hears you. And and never is that more important for you if you're a parent. If you do not speak up, you will not be heard. Our children... However old they are, whatever season of life they are in, they are being told things every single day. They are being taught things every day. Through screens, through conversations, through what happens on the playground or at university and the campus, hearing people tell them all kinds of stuff all day long. So my second thought on this point is, if we don't teach them things as parents, someone else will. You have a voice. As a parent, you must speak up. If you don't do it, someone else will do it for you. And let me tell you, that starts young. Bethan, five years old, first year of school, she comes back and often, learn myself, we need to uh, encourage her or correct her on different things that she's seen and she doesn't understand. And we as a parent need to speak into that situation. Just little things at this age. Little, what may seem um, inconvenient or, um, not inconvenient, so like trivial stuff. But reality is, even at this stage, we want to correct, we want to impart wisdom in those areas. We need to teach them, influence them, model to them how we talk and how we work together. The third thing on this point I was just thinking about is how, is how important it is to speak openly and honest with our kids. Openly and honest with our kids. They're, you know, and like, don't be inappropriate. Don't share with them everything that they don't need to hear. But there are times with me and Lou that actually we share with our kids some of the things that we're worried about. Sometimes we say to them, girls, sorry, we can't do that because we can't afford it. We do, there's no more money for us to do that today. We'll maybe do that next week. But we don't just say, no, we're not doing it. We share with them what we're going about. Sometimes we might pray. Well, we, often, we always pray in the morning. But when we pray, it's like, actually, can we, we're going to pray for daddy because he's got a meeting at work that he's really nervous about. And we share and we're open and honest with our children. Speaking is important. We've got to share and be open and honest. It's really, really important. It doesn't make them worry, but it does create a culture of sharing and being honest with your kids. And I'll tell you, every one of us wants our kids to be open and honest with us, don't we? Well, how are they going to do that if we don't model to them what it is to be vulnerable and say, actually, this is what I'm worried about, kids. Will you support me in this? 
There's something of a vulnerability that helps our kids to be able to open or honest with their, with their speech. Fourthly, children also need to be loved and nurtured. And I think this is maybe somewhere where kind of generations before us um, sometimes have found this may be more difficult. But let me tell you, guys and girls, we need to love and nurture our kids with our speech, with what we say. I'm forever telling my kids, I love you. You're adorable. You're amazing. And you know, this is dads for you as well as it is for mums. It's not that they do the mamby-pamby stuff and we just give the wedgies and the bundles. And You could do that. But you tell them you love them. You tell them you're for them. You tell them that they mean the world to you. All right? They need to know that their dad has got them. All right? And that's not just by being there physically. It's by being there with your words. Son, I am here for you. I love you. Number five, very quickly, non-verbal communication is so important. Uh, this is something that I'm having to learn more and more. Lou often gives me a bit of a dig when I say, that's a great colouring picture, darling. And I'm, I'm in the middle of doing something completely different. And Lou gives me a stand. No, come on. If you're going to say something, you've got to show it in our bodies. That, darling, that's amazing. What an amazing piece of work. And reality, sometimes it's not brilliant. It's not Picasso, but she's put her effort in that. And I'm going to praise what she's done. But what I'm going to do is just say something, but actually just be distracted or, or think something. Else. No, if I'm there, I'm here. I'm going to give you my full attention, not just with my voice, but also with my, with my non-verbal communication as well. Do you know, your kids will quickly learn if you're not worth talking to. What I mean by that is this. If you don't listen well when they want to talk to you, they'll just go somewhere else. If every time they go to you as a parent and you don't actually give them your full attention, that you don't really listen to them, if they don't feel like they're listened to, they'll just go somewhere else. We as a parent, we have a responsibility to listen. Sixthly, get them to speak positively over themselves. This is something that we're really intentional of doing in our house. Often I tell Bethan that she's beautiful, but I never just say you're beautiful. I say, what are you? And she says, I am beautiful. I don't just say, I love you. I say, what are you? She says, I'm loved. Because actually there's something really significant about saying things over your own life. The vast majority of kind of emotional and mental health issues today, if you were to look, there's been studies on it. Actually, if you look back in their history, they have never been able to actually speak positively or been encouraged to speak positively over their own life. Everything else is always better, but if my life, I'm, I'm ugly. No, you're not. You're beautiful. What are you? I'm beautiful. Get them to speak positively over themselves. And lastly, just under this whole thing of, of speech, and this is where I think the Bible probably talks about it more than anything else, is teach them the truth. Teach them the word of God. It is life to us. We've got to teach it to them when they're young. And the reality is you're likely the only people in their lives that will do this. All right? Schools, they don't do it in the way that we can. All right? And, you, and you, we may be fortunate, we, we may be in a really great church, if you're part of this family, we've got some great kids' work, they'll be taught wonderful things, but it doesn't take away your responsibility as a parent to teach them the word of God, to teach them the truth. Not just that daddy loves you, but actually there's a father who loves you. He loves you more than I can. And he's got a plan, he's got a purpose, he's got, you're a treasure to him, he's got plans for your life. Teach him that stuff early on. So that's S. Turn to the person next to you and say, speech. Oh dear. It's hot in here, isn't it? I can tell you're falling asleep already. 
speech. That's the first one, all right? Second thing, very quickly, imitate. Do you know that everybody imitates someone? Actually, often it's it's a number of people and sometimes different people in different contexts, but we all copy people. Truth is, children don't just look like you physically. Actually, you'll soon learn that they take on your mannerisms. They become more and more like you. The other day, I was... um, I, I just kind of brushly just kind of walked into the uh, into the living room, and Maya just went, Shh! and I was like, "Wow!" And there she was with her top up, with her with her baby nursing her baby. She's sleeping. <laughs> it was beautiful, but she's imitating. She's copying. She's imitating what she sees. At the moment, we, we're trying to stop Bethan from picking her nose and from biting her nails. Right? She gets that from Lou. It's a terrible habit. <laughs> kids pick up things on us they do, they imitate us they imitate you it's a great insight actually into your own life just look at your kids because often the things that they would have picked up actually they've probably picked it up from what they've seen and what they've heard which is likely you they imitate what you do and what you say so let me just tell you bluntly right? how you talk to those you share life with They see it, they imitate it. How you spend your time, what you prioritise in your life, they see that and they will imitate it. How you gossip about people, they hear it and they imitate it. How you interact with God or church, how you talk about church, how you talk about people in the church, they see it, they hear it. And it has an effect on them, they imitate it. How you get irritable, impatient, angry. They see it. They're not blind to it. They see it and they pick it up and they'll imitate it. They imitate what they learn. So if they're imitating us, who should we be imitating? I said that all of us are imitating. Well, what is it that we want them to become more like? Well, if we are an image of something, well, what are, what are we trying to imitate? Well, the Bible says that we should imitate God. We should imitate Christ. It says this actually in Ephesians 5 verse 1 it says this, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Now as Christians we believe actually we're not just forgiven of sins, actually we feel like we've been adopted into a family. God's no longer just God, actually he's a daddy to us, he's a father to us. And in the same way that Bethan and Maya imitate me and become more and more like me. As Christians, we, we believe as God is now our Father, we can become more and more like him. We imitate him. That's what we're encouraged to do. And the Bible says that God is primarily a God of love. There's lots of things that he is, but 1 Corinthians 13 in the Bible talks about this whole area of love and says this is what God is like. So let me just bounce some words to you. I don't want you to necessarily say them out loud or or kind of reply to your neighbour, but I just want you to think in your own mind, well, how are you doing with some of these things? Like patience. So patience is a virtue of love. If you love someone, even if they get it wrong, do you demonstrate patience? Kindness. Do you struggle with rudeness? Are you just blunt with people in your house and your kids are seeing that? Is it rudeness? It's not, it's not a good thing. Arrogance. Irritability. Anger. Resentment. 
Do you show hope in your house? Because do you know what? As Christians, if you're a Christian here, your house should be a demonstration that there is hope in your situations. Your kids easily pick up on the despair, they'll easily pick up on the problems. Do you actually model the positives of hope? Yeah, we know this is going on, kids, but we have hope. We need to model that for our kids. Perseverance. If we attach ourselves and, and, and imitate something that's wonky or out of kilter, you know, our, our kids are just going to follow in the same pattern. We want to imitate God. We want to imitate those characteristics, those attributes of love that he has demonstrated for us. Okay, so that's I. So turn to your neighbour and this time with gusto say, imitate. imitate. Oh, that was a bit better. Okay. Can anyone remember what the first one was? Speak. Speak. Imitate. Okay. Thirdly, correct. Correct. Now listen, despite what society may say, despite what culture may say, loving our kids also means disciplining them. All right? It means correction. Hebrews 12, 11, and it's going to come up behind me, says this, and this is the kind of the general discipline, uh, sorry, the general principle of discipline. It says this, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Uh Uh-huh. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Children need a framework to grow. They need it. I was was working in education for eight years. I was a primary school teacher. They needed boundaries. And actually kids loved it when they knew where they stood. They knew what the boundary lines are. And it's exactly the same in our houses. Children need to know where the boundary lines are. They need to know what's acceptable and what's not. And we need to correct them and encourage them when they don't stay within those boundaries. It brings security. It brings protection. Boundaries are good. Correction is healthy. And it's painful for all of us. Of course it is. But without it, we don't grow straight. So a couple of years ago, actually for a number of years, I grew uh, like strawberry plants, uh, but tomato plants. And think about tomato plants, if you don't maintain them, they kind of do their own thing. They kind of go all over the place. Whereas actually, if you put a stick in the ground, if you put them against a bit of trellis, they grow in the way you can train them to go straight. And actually, it helps them bear more fruit, actually. If they just dwindle and go all over the floor, actually, the fruit you have, it gets rotted away. And it's the same with discipline. You put a structure in place, you help them, you correct them. It's almost like you're putting a trellis that allows them to grow straight and strong and bear fruit. That's what the Bible says. Now, the second thing I want to talk about with this whole area of correcting kids, and I think this is maybe where, if I'm honest, we're probably weaker at, is this whole area of modelling repentance and forgiveness. Because the reality is, it's not only our kids that make mistakes, is it? Okay, in my house, the kids aren't the only ones that make mistakes. I don't know about you. As far as I'm aware, all of us make mistakes, don't we? Yes. What a wonderful learning opportunity for our kids when we make mistakes. Because what we get to do in that moment is to model to them what repentance looks like and what forgiveness looks like. Don't we? And if we don't do it, who will? We all make mistakes. We all need discipline. Now let me ask you, how many of you talk to your kids about your mistakes? Now again, I know that some of them may not even be appropriate to chat with your kids. 
But hear what I'm saying. There are times when I can wake up, let me be honest, that I'm not my joyful self. And sometimes I can take it out on the kids. And often, you know, sometimes I have to say this. I say, Bethan, come here. Daddy wants to quickly talk to you. And I sit her on my knee. I say, Bethan, Daddy was grumpy this morning, wasn't he? And I didn't speak very nicely to you. I, I am so, so sorry. That wasn't fair. It wasn't right of me. I love you. I'm sorry. And you know, sometimes she's quick because she wants to play. She just goes, yeah, 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 fine. And she'll go off. And I say, no, 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 Bethan, come here. Listen, look at me. I am sorry. What I did was wrong. I love you. I'm for you. She's like, okay, daddy. And she'll go, do you model that? Do you do that? Do you show them actually you make mistakes, but you model what it is to say, I'm sorry and repent well? Do you model what it is to actually forgive and say, I forgive you for doing that. I love you. I'm for you. Just speaking, I think, is the key ingredient to discipline. Can I just say that? I think if you discipline and you haven't got the speaking bit, the rest is a little bit wasted. All right? I do. I believe that. I think what we're trying to do, we want them to grow in understanding, not fear. What I'm trying to do with Bethany, if I put her on thinking time, what have you, I talk, I say, do you know why you're here? What, what is it that you did? Okay, you recognise what you did. Do you, do you know that that really hurt your sister? Yeah, what, what do we need to do about it? I need to say sorry. Okay, let's go say sorry. And there won't be any playing or joy in our house until that's been done. We're taken back. Maya, Bethan's got something to say. Often it's the other way around, so I can say that. <laughs> Maya, Bethan's got something to say. Maya, I'm so sorry. Right, let's hug it out. Let's hug it out. Team cousins, we're done. We model something of correctness, being correct, and correction. Okay, Good. Understand that? With me? Okay, last one. Good, you're doing really well. You're doing really well. You're still awake. I'm looking at your eyes. Now I'm snoring. Okay, fourth one. Okay, so let's quickly go forward. So first one, S stands for? Speak. Speak, yeah. Okay, so speak up. Second one stands for? Imitate. Imitate. All right, imitate God. Your kids will imitate you. The third one was? Correct. Correct. Make sure that you give boundaries for your kids and help them and correct them and model what correction looks like. And fourthly, keep on going. Okay, I'm just going to be two minutes on this point. In fact, if the bands want to come up, because I think we're going to sing a song in a minute. Keep on going. I know that there will be many, many parents in here that have been doing this for 50, 60, 70 years. I've been doing it for five. There's a huge wealth of experience and knowledge in this room, way beyond what I've experienced Firstly, I just want to honour you and say, well done. Keep on going. Keep on going. My, um, in fact, she's not even in the room, so I can say that. My, my mum has been an incredible example to me, actually particularly in the last 11 years. Not just when I was younger, but actually in the last 11 years, through different trials and different things going on in her life, health and all, all kinds of other things. She has been an incredible model to me. She, she probably has impacted my parenting more than anyone else, maybe even in the last 10 or 11 years. She's someone who, who's, who keeps on going. And there's value in someone that keeps going, persisting, pushing on. 
Can I just say that I think one of the keys to releasing blessing on your house is prayer. And if you want to sustain this, if you want to keep on going and doing it well as a parent, you have got to pray. You, you've got to pray. You've got to ask God to help you. Because in the natural, I can be grumpy. I need God to help me. I don't know it all. It, they didn't come with an instruction manual. God, I need your help. You need to pray. So let me ask you, do you pray for them? Do you pray for their futures? Do you pray for their future partners? Do you pray for their future jobs? Pray for your kids. If you want them to keep on going, if you want to do this well, pray. Pray for their futures. Parenting is an absolute blessing, but it's also really tough and hard at times. And the last thing I want to say in terms of keep on going is really value team. Really value team. Um, I know there's a load of people in here that will be like single parents, mums and dads. And if you're part of this community, you're blessed to be part of people who love you and want to support you. Part of this baby Thanksgiving today, actually, is not just saying, parents, you have a responsibility. Us as a church, we have a responsibility to support and pray and encourage the parents and the children that are part of our family. So let me just encourage you, if you are in that place where you're a single parent, try and find relationships, try and find friendships that can support you or at best listen to you and talk things through. For those of you that are in a partnership, those of you that are married or in a partnership where you're together, raising kids together, know the value of team. You must work together because if you don't, they see it. And just lastly, spouse comes first. Partner comes first. And I've seen it time and time and time again where people are going through issues in their relationships because they've prioritised their kids and not one another. Can I just say, there will be a day, maybe not as early as some of you would like, but there will be a day where your kids go. Some of you are thinking, he still hasn't left. (laughs) There'll be a day where they go. My question is, what is going to be left when they do? You have a responsibility to invest in your wife, your husband, and your partner. And do you know what? That benefits the kids. If they see you loving each other well, if you model that well, that will have an impact on them for a long time. Good. Why don't we just quickly stand? I just want to pray for us. Father, I want to thank you that you are the best parent that ever was and is. And... uh, I just pray for each and every one of us here, whether we know you personally or not, I pray that we would do our utmost to work in team and to honour our families and those that are in our house. I pray, would you help us to love one another really well? I pray where there's been unforgiveness, help us to get right. I pray where there's been a lack of discipline, help us to teach correctness and repentance well. Lord, I pray where we have maybe lost our voice or feel as though people are listening, our kids are listening elsewhere, I pray, would you give us a voice to speak your word into their lives, I pray. And whatever age they are, we pray for their futures and we say, would you bless them? We know that you love them. We say, would you bless them? Would you have your hand on them? Not just the seven babies we're going to thank today, but each and every one of our kids, every kid that's in this building. There's likely over 100 kids in this building today. We say, God, would you bless them all? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're, we're going to sing a song. And this is an opportunity for you if you're a parent um, with kids that are either in Tots Club, which is kind of your two to fours or not to fours, 
um, or energy, which are your kind of up to sevens, to go now during this song to get them because we want this to be a family thing, right? We want the kids to be in here so when we pray for families and pray for the babies, that they'll be here as well. So just while we do this song, if you're, if you've got, if you're a parent of a child in either energy or tots, please go now just during this song to go and collect your child, come straight back here, and then we'll do the baby Thanksgiving and Paul will lead us through that. Is that okay? Great, so we're just going to sing a song together and uh, Paul will take us through the rest of the meeting.